0: I love Mr. Short Game. Okay, we are live with our podcast, our live podcast, and I hope everybody is doing well today. We are talking short game, short game strategy, short game, everything that we need to know, and we're going to get into just everything there is, what I like to think about when I'm thinking short game. How I like to practice, what my mindset is, what uh, you know, different scenarios I have, the technique I'm using, just all that stuff that's going to really uh, help me have the best chance of success when I'm you know facing the shots that so many of us face, and for many people, sadly, the short game is like uh, one of the biggest, I say. Issue, nerve wracking spots for all of us. You know, when we're getting in that bunker, when we're, when we're, uh, have a tight lie around the green or something, there's just a lot of stuff that, you know, we're faced with that, oh man, I, and I've been there, I've been there so many times, and it's not uncommon to anybody really. And it, so we've just got to figure out and know what are the things that we need to do so that we can have the best chance for success, so that we can pull off what we need to when it comes to really the part of the game that will destroy our round more than anything else. So I hate seeing it happen. A lot of times I'm playing with the different people. And I see them, and they're just, like, struggling. And once they get going, there's just really – there's no stopping them. They just fall apart, and then it just goes on and on and on the rest of the round. And the worst thing that could happen, in my opinion, in a round is when you fail early. You know, when I'm playing it, – it, I don't it. like having that four-footer on the first hole for par or anything. But – When I do, I look at it as an opportunity for success where I can say, okay, let's do this. And if I make it, and most of the time I do, then it just, it plants, it builds in my mind for the rest of the round. And then I could go on and think, okay, and build upon that. But really, we all like the perfect scenario, easy little kick in, tap in par for that first hole. But sometimes we're faced with the the short shots and how do we... How do we get past that and on to success? So today in this episode, uh, talking short game strategy, I'm going to talk about just how my story, the Mr. Short Game story, how I became, let's say, Mr. Short Game, and then what I did back early on in my in my day to develop my short game, the practice. We'll talk about a little bit of technique. Uh, in terms of grip and stance and ball position, things like that, and then just finally we'll go over confidence. And along the way, I'll answer some questions that are coming through the the live chat, so we can get into those as well, and really have some good engagement. So we can, um, you know, find out what's going on with you, and and we'll go back and forth. All right. So I got your questions up here, so get those in and. Um, We've got a question that says, what's the best way to choose a wedge? Can't really field test wedges, so how do you know what bounce I want and all that stuff? That's a great question. So looking at that, when you're talking about wedges, yeah, you want— if you can go test something out or if you have some friends that have a diff- different t- types of wedges, then just give them a test at the range or around the green or when you're playing with them. Try them out. Hit a few shots with them. And then what I would do, let's say uh, you want a 60 degree wedge uh, and then you test a few out and you say, okay, I like this bounce. Let's say it's a middle of the range, like an eight degree bounce. Then what I would do would be is, okay, I got that 60 degree with eight degrees of bounce. Then my next wedge, let's say it's a 54 degree or a 56. I would go with a different uh, bounce. I wouldn't do the same bounce. I would do either a lot more or a lot less, depending on which wedge you play out of the bunker the most with. So let's say you play out of the bunker with 60. I would typically have more bounce on that one than I would my next wedge, the 56. And then, I, so if I had eight on my 60, I might go down to uh, six degrees, six degrees kind of light. So then I might, if I'm playing my 60 out of the sand, I want more bounce. So I might go 10 and then I'd go eight degrees on that 50. 56. And so I want to mix up my bounces from wedge to wedge. So let's say I have 10. Then I have eight. Then uh, I might go even more on my gap wedge, maybe 12. So I want to mix it up because I want uh, a variety of options. And if you like to really open up that 60 degree wedge, then you might want to go with a little less bounce so that bounce doesn't, you know, lift the leading edge off the ground. So that's that's a good way to look at it, in terms of your wedge philosophy. But you know, do what you can to try them out, uh, and and that should and really give you a good opportunity to find what's right for you. Now, you know, just going back uh, a number of years ago, in terms of how I got the Mister Short Game uh, name, you know, my I had my YouTube channel for a while. And for, I don't know, since probably 2009, 2008, I didn't really post a lot of content on there. It was really for uh, doing different types of content for other, let's say, golf-related people. And then we would post it on my channel as well, which was called Something Different at the time. And then we would use that as ways to send it out to different companies where we would do like spec spots for, you know, golf clients and things like that. So then when I started thinking about doing this as a full-time job, and a lot of people had encouraged me along the way to do that, uh, I was playing golf in Orlando during the PGA show three years ago or so. Forgot the exa- you know exactly when, but it was a few years ago. And I was with my buddy Pete. He runs and owns amateurgolf.com. So be sure to check them out, amateurgolf.com when you're checking for Good amateur, high high end amateur events, not high end, super expensive, but uh, good quality caliber of player are playing there. So these really, you know, first class types of uh, amateur tournaments. So they, he he runs a good a good event. So check them out. So we were in Orlando at the PGA show. We play a lot while we're there, so we're playing, and I don't know, I kept chipping it in. Uh, One round, I chipped it in at least two or three times. Another round, I mean, I'm chipping it close every single time. And so we're talking about uh, what he's doing, and we're talking about what I'm doing on my channel. And he just, you know, encouraged me to really get specific. He said, maybe you should do something on the short game, and that could be my niche in terms of the golf space because he's like, you know, you've got a phenomenal short game. So we went out for some cuban it wasn't cuban but it was something like cuban food one night and i was drinking these coffees and i had a couple coffees uh super late and i was up all night up all night in the uh in my room and couldn't think And not so i was thinking about that and then i just started thinking about different names and there you go and then he was calling me mr short game so i thought well let me check that out so mr short game it became that night i Locked everything up, got the URL, the website, changed my YouTube channel. Everything went to Mr. Short Game, and that's lo and behold, that's how this began. And then really, you know, started going forward and trying to make content for everybody that would hopefully, you know, help your game. And by um, by the looks of it, things are working really well. We have uh, Sam Campo says, your videos are helping me. It's been proven today. Thank you. Um, and shout out from San Bernardino. All right, Sam. Good job. It's good to hear that people are doing, um, doing, doing the the stuff in the videos and getting better. I get a lot of comments and, you know, this really, this podcast live podcast version of the podcast is my way of really hopefully engaging more with all the questions because I get so many now. I cannot email everybody back. I can't get to everybody. I wish I could. It's getting a little out of out of the realm of your reality to you know have a communication with everybody. So hopefully with this we'll have a lot more of that. I'll be able to answer more of your questions and get the podcast up and running at the same time, which I think is gonna be helpful because there's so many times I'm listening to podcasts just in my car. I want something to listen to. So this is going to be on SoundCloud, it's gonna be on iTunes, it's gonna be on all your podcasts stations as well as youtube so you can just hit play and you don't have to watch you can just listen as you go so that is that is for you guys and i hope to to continue the this for you know the the foreseeable long term future and i'm just grateful thankful for everybody who's you know supported the channel and who has uh got their Mr. Short Game, Alignment Stick Cover, and whatever you do to help support the channel. I really appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. Uh, A lot of people are asking me about that SkyTrack. You know, should I buy the SkyTrack? And, uh, you know, we get comments. You see it all the time. What about the SkyTrack? Is that worth it? That is a very expensive piece of of equipment for sure. It's $2,500 is probably going to be your baseline. If you want to skytrack, you got the cover for it and you've got one of the plans. I've got the game improvement plan and then I upgraded it to the play and improve plan. I believe it is. So that's another, um, hundred dollars a year for each of those. So that's $200 a year to go, uh, with both of those plans, which for me is, is great. Now I, I want to make sure that I'm using it, you know, in my context. So Skytrack sent me that one and, you know, in return I'm promoting it on the channel. So that's great. It's a win-win for everybody. And but I don't promote things that I don't like or that don't work. And I I get reached out to a lot by a lot of companies that want me to to look at this or whatever and You know, unless I really love it, and I saw this thing at the PGA show last year, and I immediately fell in love with it. It was a fantastic product, and I couldn't wait to get my hands on it. If I had to buy it, I would, so it it wouldn't matter. I wanted to just make sure that I had that thing, and I was putting it to its full use. So I'm looking forward to diving deeper into that personally and for the channel for everybody so that we can really hone in our game. I think it especially with the winter months coming and a lot of people up in these areas where they, you know, you just can't play all the time. You just snowed in, rained in, too cold, whatever it is. This is a great indoor thing and in my opinion, it is uh it is the best indoor I mean, it has a very realistic ball flight and that's something that that I really love too. So uh, be sure to check out Skytrack. links are in, should be in the description below. so be sure to to look at that and we'll, uh, we'll you know keep me posted on how it's how it's doing. Let's see we got a question. I'm uh, from Rod. I'm six foot seven guy and I play with irons straight out of the box. I get my short irons lengthens about an inch and I'm still having divots where I'm hitting it off the toe. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be a lot of times and this fits right into your your short game strategy. You've got to really understand not only if you're tall but short, whatever it is, uh, hitting off the toe is a common problem and it could come from coming over the top. Just a slight, I mean, we're talking half inch. You come over the top of your swing and you could come out on the toe. You, and because you're pulling across it down by the impact position, you start coming across the ball and it gets that toe open. You could be opening that club face at impact. That would cause a toe hit as well. You want to get your lie adjusted too so that that's how the club rests on the ground, not only at at setup, but also at impact. You want to make sure that that club is flat on the ground when you're making contact with that ball. So... All of these little things, regardless of your height, the lie adjustment of your club is going to be uh, critical in making sure that you're hitting good contact. Me, when I get wedges, and I get wedges sent to me all the time, and I typically I ask for two degrees flat because I'm a little shorter and my arms hang a little lower, so I need that club flattened out a little bit. I need that toe pointed uh, down so that I can... um, you know, have that club flat on the ground. And if they're not, I immediately start pulling the ball left a little bit. And I remember, I don't know, last year, I had a couple, some of these Titleist clubs. they, I was m- missing them left. I had some that I was hitting perfect. And I know those were two degrees flat because I had those adjusted. And I went in and I told the guy at the uh, at the shop, I said, uh, I need these adjusted two degrees flat. And he's said, why, why is that? And I said, well, I'm, uh, I'm pulling them. And, uh, I'm pulling them a little bit left and he's like, well, maybe it's your swing. And I'm like, uh, it's not my swing. I mean, there's times it is my swing, but I'm like, uh, I think it's, they're two degrees upright. And so he put me on the machine and I'm missing it left. And, uh, he's like, nah, I don't know. You know, he just so doubted it. And then he checked him. He's like, huh, let me flatten these out two degrees. Okay. And then they're going perfectly straight. So if once you know what's going on, you can, you can, dial it in and just have great feel. So that's what I want for you guys is to just have that feel. But moving forward here, like developing your short game, how do you develop your short game? What what do you do? How do you dive into that and know what to do, how to do it, what when to do it or what, you know? So in terms of developing your short game, what I did was I practiced. I, I realized early on, that the most difficult shots for me were the closer ones to the hole. Because I don't expect a 40-yard pitch shot to be two feet from the hole. Like, you're a lot more content with that being six to ten feet away from the hole than you are a short, tiny little chip to the hole. If that's ten feet away, you're going to be kind of frustrated. So I realized that when I had these shorter shots really tied to the green, that those Man, those were very, very difficult. So that's where I would spend most of my time. And I would spend hours a day practicing just those little shots. And I would mess around with all kinds of different things. And so what I would recommend is that when you go practice, that you dedicate, and people say this all the time, everybody's at the range, but I go to the short game area and nobody's there. The thing is, if you practice your short game, chipping, okay? If you practice chipping, what you're practicing in reality is impact zone hitting. You're, you're putting all of your practice into that little space, three feet before and after the ball. That's that impact zone. You're practicing putting that club face on that ball in the middle of the club every single time. So the gentleman who asked about hitting off the toe earlier, if you were spending hours practicing that short game then you would learn how to put that ball on the club in the center of that club. And that would be something that would carry over into your full swing. But a lot of us just go swing away and we wonder why we're hitting it on the toe or on the heel or doing whatever. But if you just work on those little shots, then when you have your full swing, a lot of stuff's going to work itself out and you're going to improve so much more rapidly because you spent so much more time on the short game. I would just get a bucket of balls at the range, go get your bucket. Let's say it's five, 10 bucks, whatever costs, go get a full bucket, go out to the range or go to the short game area of the course and just chip those balls, chip three buckets worth of balls first, and then go hit them. So you got literally four buckets for the price of one, because you're going to spend all of the time on the, on the chipping and the shorter the chips, the better. And even when I'm in the sand trap, when I practice sand shots, I rarely practice a long bunker shot. It's always as if I short-sided myself. It's going to be a short bunker shot and a short shot as well. Uh, I get a question here. Are you a sweeper or pincher with your short chips? Great question. So I do not like to come too steeply on that ball. The reason is if I am off just a little bit with that steeper angle of attack, then that thin, that thin shot or that little bit, that chunker is right in line. Like that can happen pretty easily. So what I want to do, yeah, I want to be a lot more shallow and a more round my body. Now, when you do that, you got to make sure you're not rotating your hands open and close. You're not opening that club face. You want to be nice and shut club face or square. Don't, don't open that face going back, okay? But you could take a shallower swing uh, with with your shorter shots. And, yeah, there's a time where you would want to come in steeper from time to time if you're in the deep rough, things like that. But let's say I'm in the fairway, tighter lies. Then I like to keep it much more shallow. Um, and that would be something that I would recommend for most people. And we got... Uh, Jesus, I think. Hello, Matt. I just watched. wanted to tell you I found your YouTube channel about two months ago. Awesome. Ever since I've been using your tips and strategies, I've shaved 15 strokes. Now, well, that's a lot. Man, good for you. Rock and roll. I love that. Uh, man. So, yeah, like that happens. It, obviously, you know, you were a little bit higher in the higher 90s or 100s maybe. And so, yeah, you do the short game stuff. You do those little things. You are going to shave a lot of... um a lot of strokes off your game somebody's asking about the there was a $300 off promo on SkyTrack. where do we find this um, go to their website put in mr. short game promo code uh, at checkout uh, you may get that or you may not they had run that promo briefly so I don't think um, they're currently running it but I'm not a hundred percent sure okay so always check that out go to their website and and see what they've got going on. And in, so back to short game, what I would do, I, I was, you know, I was in my parents' backyard practicing. I got an old coffee tin can, and I would set that maybe 10 yards away. I didn't have much space, and I would just chip from the grass into that, try to land it in that tin can. That's, that's us free. And what was cool was when I would go play— Man, it was amazing. I would just see that tin can like it was on the, the green. I'm like, okay, I just need to land it right there, right there, right there, and right there. And that's, that became just an, a given. I was going to get up and down most of the time. And so I didn't really care if my drives were a little sideways or I missed greens because I was so confident uh, in the short game that it just didn't matter. And you can have that too. Like the short game... It doesn't take, you don't need a, a 100 miles an hour swing speed to, to have a great short game. You don't need to look like Brooks Kepka to have a great short game. I've seen little kids, six, seven, eight years old, have some world-class short games. I've seen 90-year-old people have world-class short games. You don't need anything special physically. You just need it a little mentally, and you need to put in the work. I want to encourage everybody that when you practice, if you're maybe you're driving to the golf course when you're listening to this and you're going to go get your time in and you're going to go practice and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to hit my 7-iron, my 5-iron, my 3-wood, my and my driver today or whatever. Maybe you don't even know, which, which is even worse. You should always have some type of plan, some type of goal every day you're going to go. Some, some days for me I would just go hit my odd numbered clubs, okay? So you know, pitching wedge or nine iron, seven iron, five iron. And so it would be like that. Some days I would just do iron day and I wouldn't hit uh, anything, any woods, any metals. Some days it would be only wedges. Some days it would be like, okay, today I'm working on my driver. So I would do a little warm up, and then it was all driver after that. Other days I'd go and I, I'd play a course in my mind. And then I would just play those, that course on the range in my head. And, you know, so to always have, always know what you're going to do before, uh, you get to the practice area, but always, always, always most of your time, I want you spending chipping little chips, little chips, tiny ones, little ones, like little three yarders, chip and run, chip and run to the hole. That kind of stuff is really going to help you, especially before you go play. If all you do is chip these little chips, uh, and then take a few practice swings, you're good. You're good. You don't but if all you do is swing and you don't work on that touch and feel, then you're going to have some problems. And then what I would encourage also is really take out a lot of the hand the excess hand motion from your swing. Okay? I don't want you rotating anything. I just want there's a slight wrist cocky out and keep it a light grip, but Try not to manipulate the club face too much while you while you do um your practice or your your shots because that's really going to to hurt you Let's look at a question here. Do you normally use range balls to practice around the green or would you use premium balls? Surely they react quite differently okay, great question when I'm practicing um I usually bring my shag bag which has older premium balls that were once. I once used, but now are just in my shag bag. So yeah, that's typically what I do. Uh, I know most people don't do that. So if, Hey, if you can only use range balls, that's fine because although they react differently, let's just, let's be real like that. Your practice area is not going to equal your course setup. So, uh, you're always going to have to make adjustments and that's based on speed of the green that kind of stuff. So that same adjustment would just need to be made in terms of the ball you're using does it spin or does it not spin. I would highly recommend you have some type of shag bag with 80 balls in it of of older balls that you've used and that are now uh you know not fit for play, let's say. So that's what that's what I would recommend in that space. And then you can um you know just just rotate those as you need to. And that would be, that would be something that, that I would recommend for that. And then in terms of uh, like grip stance, ball position, position, things like that. I like a very neutral grip. Now, if you're working on stuff in your swing and you're gonna manipulate your grip, what I would do is always do that in the short game practice first. Uh, Do your grip changes in your short game. Do your, any stance or uh, alignment or posture changes, always work on that in your short game first. And then slowly integrate it into your full swing. So neutral setup, soft hand, soft grip, ball position, I prefer right in the center of my stance. I like the weight slightly forward, Uh, 50-50 on each foot is fine, but if you wanna go slightly forward, uh, that's great as well so like 60 40 70 30 and then depending on the specific shot uphill downhill then you can uh, adjust as you need to uh, from that from that perspective and then you'll be able to kind of go to that next level of of short game and w- because you've put in the practice you got to put in the practice so once you get the practice to the point where you can feel all the different shots. And what I like to see is when you're practicing, mix it up. Put your hands behind the ball, way behind the ball in setup. Put your hands way in front of the ball. Put your hands in the middle. Always mix it up so that you can feel what it's like. Hit high shots, hit low shots. Maybe you got a little chip and run. Try a little flop shot. Get to the point where you're you're so bored with practice that you have to do these crazy different style shots to mix it up. So that then you're you're pushing through those barriers that you may have and just keep pushing yourself until, you know, you think of every possible type of shot that you can hit from that position and then move to a new position and then keep it rotating. And then then that brings us to just the confidence piece of this, okay? You're out on the golf course. How do you uh, have the mindset to be able to pull off the shot you need to when you need to? That's that's the challenging part. Uh, that's where you've got to go out there and rely on what you did in practice. Like, okay, what did I do? Okay, I did this. That's fantastic. So now what you do is you come back. You look at what the shot you have, and you and you think back to your practice, and you say, okay, do I have the confidence right now to pull off this shot? Because if you don't, and it's this tight line chip, then you need, to, you need to come up with a different option. And you need to come up with something that you know you can pull off, and that's going to be the highest percentage based on the things you can do and the things you can't do. And in that moment, if you're too nervous, then pulling out that 60-degree wedge and trying to go high off a of tight lie is probably not to play. I was in a a match play team event and we were playing at LA Country Club. I mean, already it was uh we were the away team and my partner and I we were we were on the uh uh 14th hole, 13th to 14th hole, a uh, par 5. It's right by the Playboy Mansion, Spelling Manners right there. You're coming I mean talk about intimidation factor these guys are there every day and here we are uh just coming in trying to trying to beat them and at the time I think I was even my match was even my partner we were all square we were pretty squared up so we were coming down to like the turning point of the match wind is blowing Uh, my opponent hits his third shot to the par five he goes long over the back of the green, so I'm thinking, oh, okay, great. I mean, there's a lot of wind up there, downwind. So I'm thinking, okay, club down a little bit, smooth swing. But you got some adrenaline going, and I hit my shot. It went long as well, and so I'm over the back of the green, thinking, oh my gosh, what do what do I do? So here we are. We we got this we this up this chip off the back of the green. I mean, we don't have much green to work with, and. My the other opponent, he was back there too. So three of us were back there, and both of these guys went before me. So I'm standing there holding a 60 degree wedge in my hand, and tight lie, and you've got to carry it on the green, and let it roll the hole. And hopefully, I mean, if you hit it fat, it's rolling back to your feet. If you thin it, it's rolling off the front of the green. You're doomed. You're, you know, it's a double bogey. So the uh, the first guy. He hits it. He hits it to about 10 feet. And I was like, man, that's a pretty good shot. And he's 10 feet away. Then my opponent, he hit his shot and did about the same thing. And so I'm thinking, okay, these guys, that's as good as you can do from here. So I'm looking at this. And I had we had a caddies and the whole deal. So I'm standing there. I put my 60 degree back in the bag. Because, one, I'm nervous. Because they just hit it. And I'm thinking, man, they hit some great shots. And they're 10 feet away. So in order for me to hit – less than 10 feet. I'm going to have to hit a spectacular shot. So it can be done. But in order for me to do it based on what they had just done, I would looked at that and said, I, I mean, I'm going to have to really gamble here. And I I didn't feel comfortable with that. And I was too nervous, even though I had a great short game playing really well, too nervous. So I put my 60 degree back in the bag and I grabbed my hybrid and looked at my caddy. He looked at me and he just nodded his head like, yeah, do it, do it. So then we picked out a spot just next to a sprinkler like, hey, just hybrid it up here and it should roll down the hole. And it was it was an incredibly challenging shot, but I knew that worst case scenario, I could probably get it within 10 feet. So my confidence just went from uh, nervous to like, okay, I can do this. Putted it, up, uh, hit the hybrid, hit it absolutely perfectly and rolled to about a foot from the hole and picked it up. My opponent missed his 10-footer, so I went one up and I ended up winning the match on the 17th hole. A few holes later, tight match, and it was just one of those shots like I'll never forget. Not because uh, it was a great shot, but, I mean, it was all of it put together. It was the moment. It was the competition. It was the the nervousness. It was the the level of confidence I had and didn't have at the same time. And it all went back to... Thinking about my short game, my practice, what I could do and what I couldn't do, and so I didn't get caught up in hitting my sixty. And I think for so many players, we get caught up in hitting that that wedge, that high wedge shot, that low percentage shot. Let's you know, let's say. So instead of just thinking about, okay, what's the highest percentage shot here where I have the most confidence, or what's the what's the shot that I have the most confidence? What's the highest? percentage shot, maybe I have at least confidence in that shot, then don't play it. You got to match your confidence level with the percentage level of that specific shot. So I think I'm in that scenario, I I really matched up the percentage play with my confidence level. And that's where you have, that's where the magic happens. That's where the things happen where you're like, okay, you know, I could I could do this. I could play this game and I can hit this shots that I want to hit. And uh, that's what I think we can all learn from and grow in is get out there and practice. Put, that, put everything you have into play when it comes time on the course. And then you can go to your bag, look at what you got, know that you put in the work, and you're not gonna be afraid. Like If you put in the practice for one specific shot, then when you're on the course, you're not gonna be ashamed or afraid to say, you know, I can't do that right now. I I just can't do it right now. You could just be, there's no shame in it. It's just, I can't do that right now. I don't feel confident. I don't feel, I I don't have that game because I put so much practice into my short game that I know that some days I don't have that shot. That's not here today because I didn't practice it, or when I did practice it, I didn't do as good as I would like. So I'm going to back that. I'm going to back off. And that's what's great about practice. You know what you can do and what you can't do. But when you don't practice, you think you can do everything. We think we can hit every shot in the world. We see Tiger Woods out of the bunker from like 200 and everything away, and he puts it three feet from the hole. And he hit it under and over a tree at the same time. Like, we think we could do that because we just saw it on TV, yet we never practiced it. So when you practice it, you'll know, like, man, I've been practicing that shot for three weeks. I still can't do it. Uh, So what do I do? What do I do? Got a question here. Um, So true. rather uh, than a 56, I will use a bump and run with a nine iron or something that will end in something. That's great. Yeah, Barry. That's the good thing about, about all your clubs and putting some practice in. You know what you can and what you can't do. And if you have to back off and use a nine iron or something else, then that's, that's what you need to do. But if you can, and there are times where I'm like, I'm going for glory here on the shot. I'm opening that 60 wide open and I'm doing the Phil Mickelson special and I'm going as high as I can and I'm going to do it. And where were we? I was, uh, I was doing around with, um, I think I videoed it Monarch beach. It was a live round. I think we were on the 17th or 16th or 17th hole. We were, And I had just made a birdie on 15 or 16. I forget. And then and then we went to the next hole par three. And I must have hit the worst iron shot ever, way right. And I looked at it. I had a good lie. Uh, I was kind of going uphill. I had to go over a bunker. And the green just kind of funneled, right? And I was feeling good, feeling confident. And I just said, man, I'm going as high as I – I had to go high. There was a tree in my way. But I had to go as high as I can. Shot it straight up in the air, landed on the green, rolled next to the hole, tapped him for par. So that would be that would be the time or there are times where uh you you just know like, hey, I'm gonna go for it. So you gotta get gotta gauge your feeling, you gotta gauge your shot, you gotta gauge the timing. Is the timing right? Is the timing not right? Uh, where are you in a match if you're in a match play? Are you up? Or are you down? Is it uh gamble time or is it hey, I need to protect my lead time? And all those need to factor into what you're doing. Is my podcast on Spotify? People are asking. Uh, don't know. Good question. I think it gets uh, populated to Spotify, but I will check that and make sure it is new to the podcast world. So we are just been doing a few of them, starting to get it up and running and want to be more consistent there. So uh, any suggestions would be greatly appreciated if you uh, have any uh any tips? That'd be great. But I'm trying to get them on YouTube and uh, and on SoundCloud, iTunes, all the all the podcast places that uh, that we can be, so that everybody can uh, listen, tune in, do it, uh, do whatever you you want to do. So, you know, when, when we're talking about short game, it's it, it is all about. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's all about having confidence and the mindset knowing that you can do it. And I think that there's no one technique that is going to change your life if you don't put in the work. And I learned that so long ago. Luckily, I knew it. I knew it going into the game. When I started, I was 18 years old, the first time I ever played a round of golf. So I knew that I wanted to be good. I knew I wanted to compete on whatever level I could compete on. And I knew that uh, okay, I'm going to do and what I did in the past in terms of sports, wrestling, football, track and field, soccer, things like that, that I played. I, I said, I'm going to put in the work, and I, I picked wrestling specifically because that was the hardest sport I ever did. So I said, I'm going to put in the work uh, I did in wrestling. I'm going to put in the same amount of work and effort in golf. And wherever that gets me, that gets me. And whatever, three and a half, four years later, I walked on a golf team in San Diego State and played a year on the team. So that was something that uh, I, I just look back to take what you know and apply it to your game. And I took that wrestling and, and the work ethic that it took. And I said, I'm going to do that. And I didn't have any money. So what I did was I did all the short game stuff because that was free. And then I quickly realized that uh, that is the key to having a great game is your short game. It's chipping. It's putting. It's your bunker play. It's in a, within 100 yards. I would go to this little elementary school, hop the fence, go in the backyard. then the nicest grass, nice tight line. It was like a light, nice little fairway back there. And I put my ball on the edge of one of the um, lines of their little soccer field. And I would just try to hit the line that was 90, 100, 110 yards away, I think, down the end of the field. And so I knew when that chalk flew up, I had a perfect shot. It was line to line. And sometimes shanked it in the house. But I kept going back day after day after day. And I kept practicing and practicing and practicing. And I realized that when I would go play, that everything else started to come together. The drive started to straighten out. Everything started to be a lot more uh, connected. And it was all based on everything I did in the short game. When people, when I looked at my grip on video for the first time, and it was, it didn't, I hated what it looked like. I would, I would go in my short game and I would say, okay, when I, when I change my grip and I have my driver, I slice that thing like 80 yards. So let me start with a chip shot with that grip and let, let me get used to it over and over and over. And, uh, and that's, that, that's how I did it. So any changes you want to make in your swing, start with your short game and put in the work there and you will see a huge, huge difference when it comes to um, how you play and your confidence level and your short game strategy should be this. Here's what I like to do to kind of wrap up our podcast here. What I like to do in terms of my short game strategy is this, whatever I'm feeling confident with in my short game. Okay. Let's say you're going out to play uh, or what? whatever in my short game may need work or wherever I'm feeling confident. Let's say I'm playing normal and I just want to play a great round Anytime I'm in trouble, I pitch out to an area where I feel confident in my short game. So let's say I worked a lot in this uh, little 30-yard pitch shot. So I punch out to that, try to hit that 30-yard pitch shot or somewhere around there. I don't try to go for the green and put it in a bunker because I, maybe I don't feel as confident or haven't put in the work there. So that's what I do is when I'm in trouble and I'm, in a, I'm on a par four Then I look at it like, okay, it's a par five now that I'm going to try to birdie, which would be a four, which would technically be a par. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is a par five. And so I'm going to lay up here and then going to put it there for my chip shot and try to get up and down. So that's my mindset and my strategy of how I utilize my short game in that scenario. The other thing I do is often I will go out and play. And what I'll do is I will intentionally miss the green. I will I mean why if you're just out practicing and you're not in a competition why why am I always going for my lowest round ever that to me that just doesn't make any sense what I want to do is get better because ultimately I my to me my great rounds only count if they're under some type of pressure in a tournament in a match something like that otherwise I'm playing to improve and most people, sadly, just go play. They don't have a mindset of, okay, I wanna get better. I wanna work on this area of my game. So anytime I do a playing lesson with somebody, I, I utilize this strategy, which I'm gonna tell you about right now, and it's go out there, we're gonna play, but you're not allowed to hit the green in regulation. That's that's illegal today. So I wherever I hit my drive, fantastic. Hit your drive, practice hitting fairways. Then the second shot, I want you to aim for something and i'll tell you hole by hole if we're doing a playing lesson what you're going to aim for like this one what you put in that bunker and typically i say a bunker because bunkers are much smaller than a green and and if you could land it in the bunker just think if you could get to the point where you miss all the greens and you land it in a bunker every single time because you aim there that would be uh if there was a flag stick in that bunker anywhere in that bunker you'd have a very makeable birdie putt that's how small these bunkers are so uh, that's what I like to do is aim for those tiny bunkers. And I'm like, okay, now if I miss, I come up short, no, great, I get to work on my little high shot over a bunker. If I hit the bunker, I I just mark it down, hit a bunker, one for one, it's fantastic. And then I get to work on my short game shot, my sand shot, up and down out of the trap, and I mark, did I get them down? No, what are my sand shots? And I keep little notes about what how my short game is performing, and then when I practice, I know like, okay, my bunker game wasn't very good, I need to go work on my sand shots. Uh, My chip shots weren't very solid. I need to go work on those. So then you know what to work on in your short game based on what you just did on the golf course. So you're really maximizing your efforts in terms of improving your game just by doing little things while you're playing that will improve your game and give you what you want to know is what to practice, right? If you go play a round of golf and you're never in a bunker and you're like, oh, I'm You might never think to practice bunker shots, but then all of a sudden you're in a competition and you're in a bunker and you're a little nervous and oh no, and now I'm doomed and you blow it. So you need to know these things. How do you perform in each scenario? And the only way you can do it is if you purposely put the ball not on the green. So try that. Give that a try. Try mixing it up. Don't just always go out there and play. You're really doing yourself a disservice if you just constantly play and don't, don't do things uh about about what you need to work on and uh let's see we gotta, any comments yeah i love the videos thanks my friend thanks brandon uh love hearing about how you like to practice help me a bunch especially at the range yeah that's great so i'll constantly be you know talking about like what i do to practice what well, the things i like to do to improve my game and how i go about doing all these little things to to improve because ultimately I just want you guys to to get better, to have more fun out there and to improve. The 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 average score hasn't been going down over the years. Sadly, with all the technology, with all the advance, advancements in the game and technology and everything, the scores the average golfer is still shooting that the same score. And you know, that's I I want that to change. And I want to see people like just doing the things, the little things that really help grow their, their love for the game and improve what they do on the golf course. And I could say it a million times, it all comes down to the short game, but in reality it really does. And I would take out the driver from time to time when, when you go play, just don't even play, like take out all your metals, your woods, leave them in the car because you want to do things that force you into playing in a way that will help you improve. All right. And that would, that would be, that would be what I would suggest. And let's see, Barry said for a person that works full time, how often do you, or how many hours per week would you su- yeah, suggest for practice? So that all depends on kind of your setup and what you have to work with. I know every, a lot of us have full-time jobs. So if it, you know, and Hey, I had a full-time job for a long time and, yeah, I still do. I st- I do this, so I'm not always. I don't get to practice like like I used to. And I'm I'm teaching a lot of juniors and leading junior programs, so I'm spending a lot of time with them, helping them, and uh, doing that kind of stuff. So and even teaching, so I don't get the practice time that I used to get. So what I do, and what I did was uh, even in my house, I have a little mat in my backyard, and I just do little chip shots into a little basket. So if I can spend thirty minutes doing that. Then maybe it's dinner time. Then i come back afterward and spend another 15, 20 minutes. I would mix it up personally, 15 minutes here, 15, 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there. That's how I would do it. And then if you get a chance to go to the golf course and spend an hour, that would be good. But if you've got three hours a week, that'd be awesome. You know, mix it up. I, I would say that would be that would be a pretty pretty fantastic way to go and and I think you would have great success there. Uh, Brandon also said, I'm terrible on a new course. It's funny, you know, um, I always, I, I don't, I'm not, I can't say always, but many times I go to a course I've never seen before and then I do really well. And I'll tell you the secret, Brandon, uh, that, and for everybody who faces this, the new course, should, look at it, just change your mind a little bit. I look at it as like, one, I don't know where any of the trouble spots are. So that's fantastic. And there are times where I just totally, you know, blow it out there and implode because uh, because of that. But I look at it like, I don't know where any of the trouble is. There's, I don't have any scar tissue here. There's nothing on this course that's going to uh, bother me because I don't know what's out here. One thing I don't like is someone telling me about every single hole while I'm there. You know, if I ask for some specific things here and there, then that's cool. But I don't like it when people tell me anything about a hole. So just change your mindset. Okay, there's no scar tissue here. I don't know anything about it. And that's why if you work on your short game, what you're going to find is that you're going to love these new courses because you can really pick your spots, get your short game tight. Your short game is not going to be so affected by a new course because typically you'll see the green. You could see the green. You could see everything in front of you from 20, 30, 40 yards away from the green. So work that area out and your short chips. And then the rest is, it's all right in front of you. So yeah, you might be off with your driver, some of the longer stuff, but your short stuff is going to be, it's not going to vary from course to course from day to day. And that should, that should help you. But for me, I just look, no scar tissue here. I don't know anything about this place. So I'm going to have a good time. And it's going to be, it's going to be a great day. So just really change that mindset. I think it'll really, really help you going, uh, going forward. So that's my kind of strategy when it comes to short game. That's how I look at it. That's how I like to focus and uh, check it out. And also, guys, if you're looking for um, some great uh, golf shoes, you know, I say this a lot. Athlons has been uh, a great supporter of, of the channel. They've given me uh, shoes and really been awesome. Be sure to check their shoes out. enter Mr. Short Game in at checkout. They were giving you discounts on the inserts. that you want to get for the shoes as well. Those things are awesome. And uh, both men, Kyle Brookshire and Chloe Gardner, uh, men and women world long drive champions for 2019 are wearing athlons. A lot of the contestants are wearing the athlon shoes. There's no question they give the support that these long bombers need to hit the ball a long way. So uh, be sure to check them out. I always love to plug... Plug them whenever I can because they are just in my opinion they're they're the shoes I wear all the time and you have great support and the more support you have, that's the best way to uh, to get what you need out of the game. Uh, so thanks again for tuning in for stopping by. Be sure to uh, subscribe to the channel, follow along the podcasts on all your uh, favorite podcast uh, stations. And thanks again. Love you guys. Best of luck out there. And uh, stay tuned. Got a new video coming out tomorrow. So be sure to check the YouTube channel for that. I'm trying to drop new videos every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And the goal is to drop a new podcast here on Sunday evenings. I know football's on right now, but that's okay. We will uh, we'll get it. You can watch this anytime, listen to it, play it back anytime you want. And until then, love you guys. See you. Mr. Shorty, say my game.